Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. Uh, City lose at home for the first time since March when they lost to Tottenham Hotspur. I think that's the first time in 20 matches. Credit to Brentford, who came with a plan and executed it well, it's fair to say. Lots of City players had off days. The others were probably focusing on their fitting session for their brand new Marks and Spencer suit. Uh, Arsenal march on. We're now five points behind them. Midweek, City beat Chelsea uh, to get into the fourth round uh, of the Carabao Cup. And we look forward to the next six weeks, a festival of football celebrating Erling Haaland's future at Ashton United in the seventh tier of English football. Um, Listen, let's get started. I've got three guests to help me this week, as always. Welcome back to Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, Rob. Hi, Nigel. Good to see you. Spencer Debson. Hi, Spencer. Evening, Nigel. And hi also to Edward Timpson. Hi, Edward. Hello again, Nigel. Listen, Brentford had a plan, didn't they? Press City, play it long, and chuck in a bit of time wasting along the way, and that's kind of uh, it worked, didn't it, Edward? Sadly, it did, and unfortunately, we've seen this before not not just from Brentford, but I think Villa earlier in the season, which was a nil all draw. Leicester have been quite good at it over the years, and it seems to be our Achilles' heel. Uh, a team that come well organised. To be fair to Thomas Frank, he's he's been there now, I think four four years or so. And he's got it's sort of finely tuned. And earlier in the season, they had a four nil win against with nil, a win against um, Stratford. Uh, they had a nil or draw against Chelsea, um, but they've also lost badly to Newcastle and to Arsenal, unfortunately. So you never quite know what they're going to bring uh, to the game. But on this occasion, uh, they couldn't have done it any better. And um, unfortunately, some of the changes we made uh, to our defence didn't work. I thought Akanji, for the first time, had a bit of a reality check in a City shirt, losing quite a few uh, flick-ons and second-headers. Cancelo had a, a fairly poor game. Uh, Haaland, uh, I wasn't 100% sure he was at his peak of fitness, although his run in the 99th minute to try and stop the, the winning goal was uh, was pretty ferocious. Uh, but I, I do worry that maybe we're getting a bit predictable. The break could do us some good 
it was a bit slow and it wasn't really dynamic and creative in the way that we would expect. And at the heart of that is Kevin De Bruyne and they shackled him so well. And to be fair, he was limited in what he could do to influence the game. Uh, and you could say we possibly were quite lucky to only come out one goal behind, which at home at the Etihad is, is really unheard of. So very, very disappointing, particularly going into a six-week break. Uh, and it has been a reality check that perhaps when it's not going to be plain sailing all season like we thought it was going to be. That's great. Thanks, Edward. Uh, Rob, Edward's obviously covered quite a bit there. What, what, what do you, what's your take on, on Brentford, their tactics, and how well they did at the Etihad? Well, I, I did suspect that something was going to go wrong when Tony wasn't selected uh, to go to the World Cup. And I thought uh, if he's got anything in him, he'll have a good game. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. That's the first thing. The second thing is I agree with every all of Edwards' analysis. The defence was really ropey uh, on Saturday and the whole team took a long time to warm up. You know, the first five minutes they were dreadful and um, players that we rely on, like De Bruyne, for example, uh, simply weren't, weren't there at the races. And it showed, I mean, two two comments I want to make. One is, if Gundogan had scored the open goal, then we would have had a very different uh, take on it. So it shows how narrow the margins are. And secondly, while I'm cross with Pep for not using uh, substitutes, um, Grealish should have played on Saturday at some point, uh, in my view. But I do admire Pep for his absolute searing honesty about what happened. Can you imagine Jurgen Klopp saying the other team were a better team uh, and then giving an analysis showing why they were the better team? And I think it just shows what high standards we're used to and uh, we just have to write it off and move on. What would you like to add, Spencer? I was going to say you don't need me tonight, Nigel. After that brilliant analysis by my my fellow panel. Um, okay, I mean, only... okay. Question two, then. Let's move on to another question. Now, no, go on, Spencer. Give us your view. <laughs> no, the only thing I, I would add to that is it's quite ironic that we're making those comments in the context of a game where we had seventy five percent possession and, and twenty nine shots. Um, and I suppose you know we we are, we're used to routine wins. We we'd had this down as a banker, hadn't we? Um, but I think when we lose a game like this, we ask ourselves, you know, is it us or was it them? Inevitably, it's a bit of both. But actually, Brentford were brilliant on the day. Uh, two deep, deep uh, sitting banks of five. Uh, I mean, Ben Mee at the back for them was brilliant for them. He's one that may, could also have been going to Qatar, really. Uh, Tommy um, put the proverbial football sort of two fingers up, and that wasn't, you know, he, he looked fantastic. Uh, and as you know, as we've said before, they on the break, absolutely devastating on the break. Silva and Biomo, Tommy, uh, and we could have uh, given away uh, a third goal at the end. So I think uh, the, the 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 conclusion for me was. Uh, a really disappointing performance overall, uh, but uh, against a team that were really well set up on the day. And on reflection, I'm not I'm not sort of wholly disheartened, but it's very disappointing to to for, for that to be the closing game before we all uh, stop for six weeks for the World Cup. Can I just pick up on one or two of the individual performances? Because I mean, Cancelo, I think, was somebody who's already been mentioned, but did stand out to me as having a particularly poor game. One or two have said it's not his first, and he's on a bit of a decline, which maybe is a bit unkind. But 
how did you see that, Rob? I mean, Cancelo would he be one, would he be one player you'd pick out as being a particularly poor performer? He certainly did well, to me. Yeah, I mean, he he has had a number of bad games. Incidentally, I thought Chelsea could have scored three or four goals on Wednesday. We'll come uh, on to that. Yeah, so it wasn't a surprise that uh, we got stuffed. But for me, the most disappointing person on the pitch was De Bruyne, and it shows how much we rely on his genius. When he becomes an ordinary mortal, then you can see that very clearly. And I think that was the case. I don't think um, either Gundogan or Silva played particularly well. They both looked tired and lacking in ideas. And, uh, you know, I think we could have relied a bit more on Alvarez, uh, given the nature of, of, of the number of goals he scored. So, yeah. Not can't just uh, blame Cancelo. There are others with him. Uh, Spencer, your your thoughts? Yeah, I was only going to say that uh, Harland, of course, um, uh, the charge has been if there's any criticism to be to be said, and it's very sparing, uh, that uh, our tactics become more more obvious when he's uh, uh, where he is. Uh, he had two or three on him at, at all times, but in those sorts of games where we weren't getting joy reaching him. Uh, you'd want to use the space, and he created space constantly. I think Gundogan said it himself uh, after the match that you know they tried to get in, in, in into the space that he may have created, uh, but the uh, the Brentford defence was 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 very very good and held tight on the day. But Haaland really was very peripheral uh, in the game overall, uh, and uh, multiple times just wasn't reached by you know by, by the providers. Uh, and Edward, I've I've written those three down: KDB, Cancelo. And Harland were kind of the three that stood out for me. Do you want to comment on that, on them, or add another one into the mix? Well, I did touch before on Akanji, who has been not not just short of a revelation, really, considering he came from nowhere and has been uh, a mainstay over the last few months and very reliable. But I just thought this was the first time that he was tested, and there's elements of him maybe where we we we've seen some weaknesses that haven't been on display so far and that just takes me back to this rotation of of the defense and particularly the the center backs i mean diaz player of the season last season i don't know whether he's got a niggle or anything like that uh, but uh, why is he not playing uh, more games why wasn't he brought on when it was clear that kanji was struggling against tony on those flick-ons why doesn't he bring diaz on who's you know bigger more solid uh header of the ball and more physical I think that would have been a change I would have liked to have seen. Um, and going back to the possession point and the shots, we had 29 shots, as we said before, but we only had six on target. And uh, I think Brentford had 10 shots and, and eight on targets. So they're far more clinical than we were. It was also symptomatic of the sorts of, uh, of, uh, of efforts and chances that they had. Uh, they were much more clear cut. So uh, it, it felt to me that, that the whole team had an off day. Uh, but when the, the, the engine isn't working in the middle... And when you've got a defence which is quite brittle, even with Edison, who was actually, who actually played pretty well and made some uh, decent saves um, uh, r- right right uh, on his goal line, there there was a, a sense of uh, a, a lack of cohesiveness that we normally associate with when we're playing fluid football. So it never really clicked. And the fact that Haaland didn't have a single shot on goal is symptomatic of that fact. So uh, you know, I don't think it's back to the drawing ball by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think we may be some more consistency at the back in the personnel 
would would help us just play game to game more solidly rather than some of the, the leaky goals that we're giving away. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Whistleblowers Daily is a bite-sized podcast that goes out every weekday of the football season. Join Mark Smith and a rotation of guests as they give you all the headlines plus some concise opinion on each, arming you with all the up-to-date football knowledge you need to get through your day. Whether it's bringing you reaction to the big games, fallout from the latest VAR scandal, or just someone to keep a tally of all Erling Haaland's hat-tricks, Whistleblowers Daily is the show to sort you out. Whistleblowers Daily, available every weekday of the football season. Search for The Whistleblowers, wherever you get your podcasts. Can I just add a slightly different thing into the mix, which uh, I haven't warned you about, so I'm going to kind of put you on the spot slightly, so forgive me for that. But something that I noticed uh, and is increasingly coming into the game, which is not a surprise, teams coming to the Etihad and time-wasting, particularly goalkeepers, who have now got it down to a fine art. Literally, the goalkeeper at the weekend literally waited for the referee to turn his back before he kind of moved and would just literally stand still as soon as the referee kind of moved to the centre circle, waiting for the ball to drop, whatever it is. And, and right the way through, there was a situation in the second half where a ball went out of play, it went to the ball boy, the ball boy went to throw it to the Brentford play and he kind of deliberately missed it and, and walked on to pick a ball up that was on a, a cone sort of 10 yards away. And it really is starting to get me down. There has been the suggestion that as soon as the ball is out of play, a clock stops. And instead of playing 45 minutes, we play 30 minutes. But we play 30 minutes of the ball being in play. Some analysis was done a few seasons ago where the maximum ball in play was something like 55 minutes. So actually, by doing that, with two halves of 30 minutes, we'll actually probably get another 10 minutes of football being played. So I just want to kind of put that to you as a, as a thought. It happens in other sports. There's no question of how much time is being added on. The ball goes out of play. The clock stops. There's no tactic about time wasting. It just goes out of the game immediately. It's not to your advantage to do that. So I just thought I'd just throw that out there and just see if, A, you've given that any thought, whether you think that's a good idea or it just would ruin the game. So, so Edward, your, your thoughts on that as a, as a suggestion. It has been suggested this week because I'm, I'm noticing it more and more, particularly when teams come to the Etihad. Do you, do you have a view on that? Well, first of all, Nigel, I very much share your frustration. And it's, it's not as if time-wasting hasn't been in football since time immemorial. We've, we've seen it uh, you know, for decades upon decades. But it's becoming, in a sense, more professional. And as a, you know, I'd like to think a reasonable aficionado of the game, it, it takes away a lot of the enjoyment. And it gives a sense of what the, the mentality is of, of some of the, the tactical play now coming into the game. So... Um, I, I think there is a case for it. The purist of me likes to think we can still have 45 minutes um, per half of football and have a, uh, a good, great game of football. But uh, we are now seeing more and more different uh, ways of trying to eke out a little bit more time out of the game. And as you say, very many other professional sports, rugby, hockey, one of, you know, others that could be named, uh, they have a different approach. So 
Um, I, I think I did read that whether it's FIFA or UEFA or somewhere in the world, they are trying to pilot this approach of 30 minutes each half, um, stopping the clock um, when the ball's out of play. And of course, the other advantage would be that we all know when the game's about to end, uh, like we do in, in rugby, uh, that fateful game at, at the weekend when um, uh, the uh, was it the uh, England uh, World Cup semi-final, um, they, in the, the rugby league, I think they ran out of, of, of time. Uh, but you knew that the clock was up and also in the women's final similarly. So I think it adds another dimension to the game, but I think we'd need to trial it properly to understand what the unintended consequences might be of, of changing the way that we approach the the, the time timing of a, a game of football because it, it could lead to other types of behaviour which sure. uh, which could could sort of take away from the joint of the game. But I, I certainly think we've reached a point now we need to look at it seriously and work out how we combat it. Uh, because uh, otherwise we're going to see, see it happen more and more. Just finally, one one thing that could be done, uh, which uh, FIFA have done at World Cups before, is just say to referees, massively clamp down on this. Yeah, I was going to say, there was, I remember, whether it feels like 10 seasons ago, maybe probably much longer than that, where there was a season where they did that. They said, we are going to clamp down. Anybody who, I mean, it's in the laws. If you delay the restart of play, you get cautioned. It's in the laws, like throw-ins and corners and free kicks. It's part of the laws. And you increasingly, players will stand in front and referees allow them to do it and sort of push them back. And for that one season, they anybody who stood in front of the ball, yellow card immediately. And it did seem to speed things up. Rob, you must have a view, I'm sure. I do. I think it's uh, it's interesting because when I was a boy, there were no ball boys at the game. There was only one ball, and players used to have to go and get the ball from wherever it went, and that meant that far more time was lost than happens nowadays. So we should remember that. The second thing we should remember is that, I mean, I think this has been going on for years from about the third minute that teams waste time uh, when they're playing City. But we need a moral equivalence here. When City get a late uh, winning goal, then they waste time, which we consider to be legitimate for all the time wasted uh, by the other team. So we need to be careful. But I'm, I'm a bit surprised at you because I think this is about referees. It's about referees exercising their personal authority. And if they don't do it, who else is going to do it? So I think they have a responsibility and that they should be instructed by uh, those who, who, who advise them that this is necessary for the integrity of the game. I'm violently agreeing with you, Rob. That's exactly my point, that those that 20, those 15, 20 seasons ago, whenever it was, when that happened, it speeded it up. And the yeah. other thing that when you were talking about no ball boys all those years ago, obviously Edward and Spencer won't remember this, they're far too young, but also players got 10 yards at a free kick. There wasn't this standing five yards knowing exactly the referee has to mark it out and pace it out and push them yeah. back. They just got 10 yards yeah. pretty much every time. So things are changing. Spencer, I'm sounding like an, an old git here. I realise that. Help me out here. What's your view, my friend? No, speaking as your as your younger colleague on this, of course, the uh, I'm remembering the, the great Ronaldo when he um, went to the ball boy and the ball boy uh, looked the other way and sort of threw the ball away. <laughs> and that's a bit that's that in reverse, isn't it? I mean, I'm 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 kind of against this um, in terms of uh, it's the game. There's various different types of time wasting. And I think that the point that Rob made, you know, it's about the refereeing. Uh, I mean, in in some sense, of course, it would be more accurate. But then I think we'd also get into petty arguments about when the you know when the 
timer started and stopped and when it really went out and didn't go out and, and, and peripheral things like that. So uh, it, it's, I think it's, I, I do agree. I think it's on the referees really and and uh, the powers that be to, to see that enforced and applied consistently. Um, but, we, you know, we search for purism all the time, I suppose. Uh, before we move on, just one other thought um, about the weekend, uh, a, a stat that's sort of, uh, sort of whetted my appetite and I'm sure you'll all enjoy this you may well have seen it in the four games that we've dropped points Jack Grealish hasn't started in any of them Rob yeah. Behrens I know you would have seen that I was going to start with you on this one yeah I mean he should have played I mean it's you know Pep Pep is a magnificent coach who we cannot criticise very much but really on Saturday the team was crying out for some change, some creativity. And it was, in my view, especially after the good game he'd had on Wednesday, when he played really exceptionally well, uh, it was set up for Grealish to come on uh, and maybe Phillips as well. And it, it, it just didn't happen. And I think um, I think that's disappointing of Pep. What, what was he waiting for? For December, the end of December? Um, it, it was an, an error, in my view. Spencer, an error. Jack Grealish, player of the season. Oh, was that a statement or a question? Had a great game. I, I thought it was a great game against Chelsea, actually, for the independent. I mean, it was could have could have definitely gone either way. Uh, Ortega had a fantastic game, didn't he? He looked, he looked like the, if, if, if Edison had that sort of shot-stopping uh, abilities, then that would be absolutely our perfect uh, keeper. Um, Grealish uh, uh, had a great game. Um, I thought Alvarez had a great game as well and definitely uh, wanted to see more of them uh, against Brentford. Uh, why Pep doesn't do that and holds, I think that it, it, in another moment, and that if we'd got... Uh, into our stride, then a game like Brentford, we could and should have won. We've done it very many times before. Uh, in fact, I think three or four times this season we've come from behind, haven't we, to equalise and, and then go on to win it. Um, so I suppose that, that was a sort of keep the faith type mentality. Um, and then when it doesn't happen, we we, we reflect on it in certain ways. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I, I remain a, a Grealish fan. He's got a lot more to give. I hope he has a good World Cup and I hope he gets uh, pitch time in the World Cup to, to come back um, and have a great second half of the season. I want to talk about the, the Chelsea game in a bit more detail. Just before we move away from the stat on Grealish and, and just sticking with the Premier League for now, Edward, uh, can we just talk about Arsenal briefly as well? And I always refer to Leicester City. In, is it, was it 2015-16 where everybody at this point was saying, oh, they'll get a couple of injuries and their squad's a bit thin and City will come good or whoever else. And, and of course, they just kept going and kept going. We're now five points behind. Arsenal looking very strong, aren't they? Yes, they are. And at the weekend, they didn't play their best game against Wolves, although they're Wolves at bottom of the league. Uh, they, they're still a difficult team, particularly Molyneux. Um, but they still came away with, with three points and the bandwagon for them rolls on. They haven't had any significant injuries so far. And not that we want to wish that on any of their players, particularly some of the ex-City players. But that's something they will have to contend with because they don't have the, the, the depth in the squad that, that City have um, and one of the other teams up, up at the top. Uh, but of course, we've got Newcastle not far behind and they seem to be on a similar run, uh, beating Chelsea 1-0. And they're only, I think, two points behind us, albeit I think we've got maybe got a game in hand. So 
I think Arsenal, um, they proved that they have uh, got more than just uh, a string of three or four wins uh, together. They've only lost one all season, same as Newcastle. Um, so we've still got to play them twice, of course. And in seasons gone by, when it's been us and Liverpool, they've been the big games, uh, the ones that we've uh, looked forward to to try and uh, rein them back in um, in, the, in the, the way that Arsenal currently are five points ahead. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, more worried than I was maybe uh, three or four weeks ago. Uh, that's maybe not um, unusual in the circumstances. It may be that the World Cup breaks come at the right time for us rather than them. And uh, we, we'll, we'll see what happens when we come back. But I think Pep will be thinking very hard uh, and very um, uh, tactically about how he's going to approach uh, the what so-called second half of the season, as it will be, uh, to, to see how we deal with the Arsenal games themselves. Uh, but also these types of Brentford games where over the pep years, they've been the ones that for some reason by the old goal, often at home, uh, have have just made us come up short in games that we should be winning. Um, so unless Arsenal start drawing, which they're not doing, uh, and come a cropper with uh, some of their squad, I, I can't see uh, them falling too far off the level that they've reached to date. And it's, so it's going to be it's going to be tricky. So we're going to have to throw everything at it. Uh, and Rob Arteta has learnt from the master, of course, and uh, what, a se- what a season he's having. Yeah. And again, Pep has been so generous towards him, saying that he he was a strong character before he became the assistant manager at City, which is a very gracious thing to say. Of course, Arsenal might buy over over the transfer window if they feel uh, that they, they need uh, extra uh, cover. And the thing about Newcastle is they have no European commitments. So uh, it's going to be a really exciting second half of the season where four four clubs at least could win the Premier League this year. And, you know, fortunately, we've got big games to play against Arsenal, Spurs and Chelsea, who I don't think Chelsea are going to win it. But, um you know, everything to play for. And that's what Pep wanted going into the World Cup. The idea that we would be top of our Champions League group and still in in touching distance of the Premier League. So it's going to be about character as well as about uh, whether you keep your players injury free. Spencer, a quick mention on Arsenal then I want to just explore a little bit uh, some of the performances around the Carabao Cup tie against Chelsea so your thoughts on Arsenal first Spencer and then and carry on with uh, with your further thoughts on Chelsea uh, City in the League Cup yeah on Arsenal uh, I'm I was a little, little bit concerned a few weeks ago to to Edward's point and now I'm very concerned uh, I mean it does have shades of, of the Leicester season doesn't it where we were all in in denial up to and beyond Christmas and I think I think Leicester beat City at the Etihad and I thought oh my goodness this this could really go all the way I feel the same about Arsenal actually albeit 14 games gone 24 to go so clearly there's an, an awful lot to play for um, injuries will play a part, but in terms of mentality, I don't. You don't see Arsenal failing on mentality with Arteta there. Um, they've got a great young team. 
uh, sometimes youth is um, is joyful and uh, is expressive, uh, and you don't get the sort of nerves. The other side of that is that City are, are full of um, experienced uh, title winners, and, and and that and that can also count as we come to the the business end of the season. So I think I think we'll all it will be there. It's it's, it's the Premier League is the greatest league on earth, isn't it? Uh, and I'm sure Arsenal, City, Newcastle, Spurs, maybe Chelsea, maybe United. Uh, it'll be it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be a run to the end. Uh, I do notice that we are away at Brentford uh, on the final day of the season. But, uh, <laughs> let, let's move. Let's move on to the Chelsea thing, shall we? <laughs> um, I, mean, I, I wrote, obviously wrote down Grealish and, and and Ortega. I mean, just just two phenomenal performances, and and what a keeper Ortega looks. What a what a deputy. I mean, for the first time, we've got someone who's really really challenging Edison for for that crown, isn't he? Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if he is. Um, in, when we've had, when we've seen him, he's, he really has looked fantastic, hasn't he? Uh, and as a shot stopper, uh, I haven't seen a better performance by a city keeper in 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 memory because it, it really was a humdinger of a game for the for, for the independent. Uh, you never, you never, you never, you never saw Keith McRae play though, did you, Spencer? I think that's the thing. It might have been just a little bit before my time. Exactly. Might have been. Yeah, did he on, on, Joe Corrigan. With, he did. Yeah. yeah, that's my big Joe was my man. Um, Came from and, Motherwell, hundred thousand pounds from Motherwell, redhead. Okay, and fine he's, keeper. And he had the shot stopping uh, abilities. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, now th- I'm now thinking about Alex Williams as well because because he was a big lad as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, an enjoyable game <laughs> in that sense. Uh, I mean. Both Chelsea and City had strong teams out, uh, and it could have been very different on, on another day. Uh, Grealish played really well. Alvarez, I think it was his fifth start. Um, I personally would love to see Alvarez um, getting a, a really strong, consistent run of games because I think he's getting better and better, um, and uh, I think he'll be really, really important to us in the second half of the season. Um, but Mares also played well. I mean, I I really did like the. Um, the flow of the second goal because that was a most beautiful crossfield uh, pass, wasn't it? From Alvarez initially, I think Mares picks a ball out of uh, the, the the sky like no other player uh, that, that I've I've seen play, um, and I include I think Messi and Ronaldo in that. He just has this wonderful ability to trap the ball and in flow, and um, you know the keeper keeper parried it and and and, and Alvarez scored. So I. Did we did we deserve to win that game? Just about, I'd say, on reflection. Uh, and we'll now go into the next uh, the next round. Uh, and I, I think we'll put a strong team out now because we're we're going to be at the business end of the of our Carabao Cup. Edward, any other thoughts on on the Chelsea game? Any other reflections? Well, I think the the players that we mentioned were clearly the standout uh, performers. Uh, I mean, Alvarez, I have a huge amount of time for and agree with Spencer. I mean, I know it's hard with with, with Haaland being the uh, the dominant force up front, but I think we've seen enough of Alvarez to, to know that he uh, is, is his huge capability, uh, but also his sort of Aguero-esque uh, eye for goal. We've seen now in various guises, different, you know, the angles that he finds uh, the goal from, the power which he shoots, uh, considering his age and he's still growing and developing um i think he he's a potentially huge star for us um but he does need to get some more game time throughout the season and probably if we stay in the cup competitions it gives him a chance to do that 
I thought uh, Rico Lewis, who previously had had, uh, of course, he was man of the match um, in the Champions League game, uh, although he wasn't as, as quite as, uh, as, as prominent uh, in this game, I still thought he had a really solid game. And we've really missed Walker at, at right back, particularly, actually, I think against Brentford. Stones didn't have a, a great game um, either uh, at the weekend. So he, he's one that we need to nurture and see, see grow. And I can see him um, being in the, the first team squad uh, now for a number of years and, and, and pushing through. Um, I think we were actually quite lucky to win. I mean, Chelsea had some big, big chances on another day. They could have, um, you know, Mount and one or two others could have uh, put through three or four in the net. Uh, and fortunately, Ortega was on absolute fire. And I, you know, in the, in, he's the opposite of Bravo, who whenever he got the ball, I was I was a nervous wreck. Because Ortega at the moment, I haven't had a moment where I felt that he's going to uh, do a, a, a complete banana skin. Um, so it, it's good to have him as backup. And it, I think he will probably play throughout the competition as long as we're in it. And, and that's great news. Final words, Rob, from you on, on the Chelsea game. Obviously, we played Liverpool on Thursday, the the 22nd of December, first game back actually after the World Cup. Yeah, how ridiculous is that? But um, it was a joy to see Lewis and uh, Gomez playing uh, in the defence. I love watching uh, Cole Palmer. He didn't have a particularly excellent game, but he needs game time and um, he's, he's really a great asset. And to see... Calvin Phillips come on and to perform so competently after such a long time out, that's that's really encouraging. But um, the only one thing I'd like to ask colleagues about is that I thought that Grealish played such a good game and he wasn't playing from the wing. Uh, and I wonder whether those two things are related. He seems... He seems stilted when he he plays on the wing, and he's giving the ball to colleagues all the time, whether by instruction or or what I don't know. But he played with more freedom on Wednesday, and I think that was to our advantage. Would you agree with that, Spencer? As, as um, very, Bob suggested, yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I, I we don't know, do we? But you feel that he's playing to order um, during these league games, and because we play, you know, the ultimate possession game. Uh, the instruction is, you know, eight times out of ten, don't take the chance, don't take the player on, only when you think you've got constructive play. So I think we're, we're giving Grealish the benefit of the doubt there. But he's got the skill set. Uh, I mean, nothing hugely changed in that performance other than he really did take the man on. He's got that great ability to to, to find the space. Uh, and he, he really deserved a goal, didn't he? He had three really excellent chances and, and the keeper keep save. But... Um, I think he just needs to just show more of that flair um, and he's hopefully will start to do that more and more. Edward, do you want to add anything at all? Do you want to answer Rob's question? I think last time I was on, I was suggesting maybe we just mix it up a bit with Grealish and maybe 10 minutes during the game, swap him over onto the right, maybe playing slightly inside, run at some defenders. And he's certainly, he's more... Uh, so d- when he's more direct and he quite likes the uh, sort of the, the one-two quick pass where he runs on from it and he's got more capacity to do that when he's more further inside the field uh, right. and closer to whether it's the the, 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 the front line or uh, potentially De Bruyne or whoever's playing in that role, Foden. So I would like to see him have more opportunity um, in the melee closer to defenders rather than stuck out on the wing. And just mix him around a bit because he's a utility player. 
and uh, he will frighten defenders wherever he is. Whereas if, if it's too predictable where he is and him just playing the ball back to Gomez or whoever's playing left back, um, then that sort of takes away some of the uh, the, the uniqueness and the, uh, the, the the possibilities that Grealish gives to the team. So I, I think there's definitely more from him. And the fact that he's growing in confidence suggests it's time to maybe just release him um, into that uh, area of the, the pitch. Maybe not for a whole game, but just now and again and, and see what happens because I think that could really uh, bring great rewards for him. All right. With the time we've got available, Rob, you can kick us off. Let's talk about the Festival of Football the next six weeks. Um, how do you think um, Erling Haaland will do at Ashton United then in the, in the next six weeks? What are you looking forward to, particularly with his, his time there on loan, as they've obviously put this bid in, which is likely to be accepted, I suspect? I mean, it's so disappointing to want to be excited about the World Cup and to have to go to such a dreadful place as Qatar to hold it, where basic human rights are uh, neglected and traduced. And I think that is really depressing for uh, the world that needs something to celebrate and cheer about. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it with scepticism and... uh, I hope that I'm proved wrong, but at the moment I don't. I don't see uh, it's going to be the spectacle it should be. I was trying to avoid even mentioning the World Cup. I was genuinely interested in your your thoughts on the news that Harland uh, that that, Ash, that Ashton United put in a cheeky bid for Harland. So so that was my question. But but uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts on the WC words, which I wasn't even going to use. Um, uh, but but I appreciate your honesty and your forthright comments, uh, of which I don't disagree with any of them. Um, so Spencer, your thoughts on this cheeky bid from uh, from Ashton United? Then bit of fun, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah, what we need, isn't it? It's a fantastic entry for a bit of uh, fish and chip paper, isn't it? It's uh, it's a lovely, lovely uh, evening news filler. Uh, and I thought it was kind of much more fun and engaging than the cat that got stuck in the tree. Uh, but I think that that's probably the... Uh, the, lo- the shorter and long of it. I, I do wonder what 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 does what do the Harlands and the Mareses sort of do for the next four to six weeks? Actually, presumably there's a, a whole maintenance thing going on uh, at City in the background. But uh, how do they spend their time and keep their sort of you know the motivation? Well, let, let us know what you think. We're at, at City Podcast, of course. Um, I've got my own thoughts. I guess a, a combination of uh, some time on a beach, I'm sure, relaxing, but I guess keeping themselves fit and well hydrated and the right sort of diet, I'm sure, is all part of it. I'm sure they'll have plenty of people keeping an eye on them to make sure they come back firing on all cylinders. Um, Edward, the, the last words are with you. I'll leave it to you what you comment on. It's up to you whether you don't have to talk about the World Cup, and I'd understand if you don't want to. Um, you may want to talk about the fish and chip paper story about Harlem which I thought was wonderful. It, it, yeah, exactly the, the injection of, of, of humour and lightheartedness we need in football from time to time because we all take it far too seriously. Um, issues like Qatar we do need to take seriously, to be fair uh, to, to Rob. Um, I know there's at least 15 City squad players going, so the, the one thing I will say is I wish them all well and I hope they come back in one piece uh, invigorated for the rest of the season. Um, I don't know what the average gate is at Ashton United. I think um, when... Uh, when Harlan goes there, it might just tick up a, a notch. Uh, although I suspect the allure of his uh, large villa in Spain will be a more likely destination for him over the next next six weeks, albeit a very uh, 
stringent fitness regime will be put in place. It, it does remind me of, of going back quite a few years when uh, Notts County announced that Sven Goran Eriksson was going to be their manager uh, and that Sol Campbell was going to play for them, Kasper Schmeichel uh, was going to play for them, and, and we thought it was a joke. And then it all happened. Uh, and of course, it then all fell apart very quickly and they realised the guy who uh, so so-called bought the club was a, a fraudster didn't actually have the money um I, I don't think ashton united are trying to pull that trick off i think they're just trying to have a bit of fun um and you know why not well done ashton united and well done to my three guests thank huge thanks to rob Barron, ctid to edward timpson and to spencer debson this is nigel rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show check us out at playbackmedia.co UK. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.